0: Listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves.
1: Coming up, Australian wine players react to developments in China. The Australian share market hits a one-year low and a warning on oil prices reaching 100 US The daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 23rd of October 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Kyle Rotter from Capital.com. But first, Australia's wine industry has called China's decision to review import duties of up to 220% on Australian wine, a really significant and positive step. Industry group Australian Grape and Wine says China was a $1.2 billion market for Australia prior to the import duties coming into effect. And today, those exports are valued at $8 million dollars and while it's not expected to get to that level in the short term the body is hopeful of a positive outcome following china's five-month review into the issue as dialogue between both nations continues so for more i spoke with australian grape and wine ceo lee McLean. lee so china agreeing to review its wine import duties on australian wine how much of a big deal is
0: this to the industry it's a really significant and positive step, Ricardo. This is something we've been waiting for for some time now. We saw the approach that had been taken with the barley industry uh, a few months ago, now, and that was a really positive step that uh, led to the resolution of that that import uh, uh, import duty issue. And we're certainly hopeful that we can run through this process over the next few months and and achieve a similar good result.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, it'll take a few months. I think that, um, the Chinese authorities are reviewing it over five months. So what, what happens in that time?
0: Well, there's a few things that need to happen. I understand the Chinese and Australian governments will continue to to talk to each other. Dialogue's been a really important part in getting to this point and it's going to continue to be an important, uh, important part of the process. From our perspective and our industry's perspective, um, my organisation, Australian Grape & Wine, will be feeding some information into that process. We'll be providing any information that's required to both the Australian and Chinese governments uh, to support that analysis of those import duties, to look at things like how the market uh, is positioned in China for Australian wine. What's happening in the Australian uh, supply base, uh, etc. Uh, and hopefully that can lead us to a, a to a positive resolution.
1: Um, are Australian wine exporters ready? We heard, for example, from Treasury Wines today, basically saying um, they're, they're ready to take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, look, I think that many winemakers will be ready, although it will take some time to to get it sorted out. So, particularly for those uh, exporters who are exporting premium wands, high-value wands, for many of those businesses, they will have found markets elsewhere around the world in in some way or another. So it will take some time to um to uh, get the sourcing right, get the supply chains right, and indeed reestablish those relationships with customers as well in China. But what I do know is, and I was I was in China uh, a couple of weeks ago talking to the Chinese wine industry. We know there is still a strong sort of affinity for Australian wines, particularly those red wines that Chinese consumers enjoyed, uh, and hopefully uh, we can see a return to to a, a reasonable level of trade in the uh, the short term. That's
1: a good point that you said about um, Australian exporters finding different markets in the meantime. And we've often been um, hearing stories of how businesses need to diversify and find different, different markets, right? So just how important a market is China for Australian wine, uh, wine exporters then?
0: Yeah. So in terms of market diversification effort, um, we've been working really hard on that over a couple of years now, but it has been difficult. So there certain businesses who perhaps have a, a very high value product or a luxury wine offering they have been more successful than some of the other businesses around the country uh, in terms of being able to find new markets. They have a much scarcer high-value product to work with, uh, whereas others have not been able to diversify quite so easily. So this uh, potential reopening of China, and we've got to go through this process uh, before we we see an outcome, but this potential reopening of China will present opportunities for businesses uh, if they're looking to get back into the market. To put it in perspective. I mean, China was a $1.2 billion market for Australia prior to these import duties coming into effect. Uh, And today, those exports are valued at about $8 million. So, that's a 98 or 99% reduction in uh, the export value. So, it is a significant market. We're probably not going to get back to a $1.2 billion figure in the short to medium term. Uh, The market's changed in China a little bit, but uh, it's still going to be a very significant opportunity for us if we can get to that point.
1: Is there a a real risk that this review could fall over?
0: Look, I I think there is always uh, a risk of that happening. Although, having said that, we are optimistic, and we've been optimistic throughout the entire process to date, uh, through the World Trade Organization uh, process as well. We believe that we had a very strong case uh, as uh, as an Australian industry. I think the key thing for us is that we need to be very uh, collaborative, uh, very engaged with the process, we, we'll provide any assistance that we can to to support that outcome. And we know, know that the team at the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade uh, in particular has been doing an, an enormous amount of work in trying to drive the drive the right outcome for our industry as well.
1: And finally, what do you think this will mean for um China, Australia trade more broadly?
0: Well, look, I think it's another positive sign. We've seen uh, a, a really strong uptick in the political engagement between our two countries over the last 12 months or so, which has been great. Uh, that's flowed down to the officials level. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, industry is starting to, to re-engage with customers and at the industry-to-industry level as well. So I think it's really good from a wine perspective. Uh, hopefully it, it, uh, it means good things for other commodities that have been impacted by similar trade impediments over recent recent years. Uh, and that's going to have only positive uh, flow-on effects for regional communities right across Australia. And ultimately, that's that's a really important thing.
1: Lee McLean there from Australian Grape & Wine.
0: Now, market day on the SBS on the Money podcast. The Australian
1: share market fell today, the S&P ASX 200 down 0.8% to a 1-year low. For more I spoke with Kyle Rodder, a market analyst at capital.com. Well,
2: I think it's the shock of what's happening in the Middle East and the uncertainties that sort of exist around, well what's going to happen effectively if and when we do see a grand incursion by Israel into the Gaza strip. There's also the factor of higher global interest rates, which of course it's been a very very big story for a while. But over the course of last week, we did see basically the entire US Treasury yield curve above 5%, which, of course, is a, a really, really poor environment for equities to, to, to be in. So, I mean, I think in the short term, the volatility is certainly being uh, driven by this geopolitical risk, but the macro backdrop isn't favourable either with,
1: with rates where they are. So, I mean, you mentioned a couple there. Does one of those issues impact sentiment more than others at the moment? Uh, Yeah, you could probably even
2: uh, put it into two baskets, uh, something that reflects sentiment and then one that reflects fundamentals. And I think the fundamental uh, drivers is obviously what we talk about when it comes to yields, because it's the combination of, you know, treasury issuance in the United States, stronger than expected growth, quantitative tightening, all those macroeconomic factors uh, that, you know, we're we're kind of aware of um, and and have uh, been seeing sort of play out for a little while. But when we do talk about sentiment, well, sentiment is basically a function of uncertainty and the uncertainty does sit around what could happen in the Middle East right now. And I mean, the the chain of events that would be, um, you know, most terrible of all, if I can call it, that is we do see a grand incursion by Israel into into the Gaza Strip. We do see an escalating uh, war throughout the region. We see a major hit to supply chains, growth and energy markets, all of those things that could conceivably occur, but we just don't know yet. So when it comes to this sell-off, it has been very sentiment driven and again, that sort of sentiment. Story is very much around those geopolitical risks.
1: A lot of talk also about oil approaching hundred US dollars per barrel in coming weeks. Uh, what are your What's your take, and what are the implications?
2: Well, obviously, the implications are profound uh, because there's another supply shock for energy markets. And when it's a supply shock driving energy markets, it's both a a driver of inflation, but also slower growth. So, there's that kind of macroeconomic element to things, which could also, in in principle, be driving what we're seeing in the bond market too. Um, But there's also the second and third order effects that we have to worry about when it comes to um, this conflict in the Middle East. And that is If um, we do see escalating tensions, there's this unanswered question about uh, what the global community's response will be to Iran, what Iran's response will be... Terms of trying to support effectively one of its agents in Hamas and whether that will mean tighter sanctions on Iran and maybe even destruction if we do see a broader war throughout the region to some key energy infrastructure. So, if we see those things happen to occur, that could be a really significant driver to push oil towards $100. Although perhaps we have seen over the last few days too, the Saudis suggesting they will step in to stabilize markets. But again, we're talking about a series of unknowns here. And we have seen um, implied volatility in the oil market at sort of two or three uh, month highs uh, over the last few days. Um, losses, where are they coming from today? Very, very broad base. But it would seem that if you could infer anything from the price action, miners and energy stocks, which again, sort of speaks to the fact that maybe entering the narrative now is this global growth story, not just you know what could happen to gold miners, maybe a few pockets of the energy market, and just a broader hits of sentiment. Maybe this could be a fairly significant growth stock. So we have seen those growth-sensitive cyclical names really underperform.
1: So we saw some potential progress in Australia's trade situation with China over the weekend with wine tariffs, wine tariffs being reviewed there. Uh, what are the implications for investors?
2: Well, I think this extends a, a story that has evolved reasonably positively over the last 12 months and, you know, it's probably a function of a changing rhetoric in, in global politics, especially um, when there was a change in the White House a couple of years ago and there's less bellicosity when it came to sort of talking about trade and, and the political economy around that. Uh, but also we have seen a bit of a pivot in terms of the current government in the way that it likes to approach China in, in, in its relations, especially as it applies to trade and other things as well. So we've seen the removal of, of um, um, uh, sanctions on, on coal, other agri- agricultural products. Now it looks like our wine obviously is going to be something that's going to see some of those uh, trade barriers removed not a big move for say treasury wine estates off the back of this it was one percent higher albeit on a really uh, negative day but it does suggest that some of those tensions that built up for a few years there between China and Australia amidst that sort of broader environment when you know trade wars were a big theme are starting to thaw a little bit and again that's good for the Australian business community. Finally where do you see the opportunities
1: for investors at the moment?
2: Well, this one's an interesting one because I think it's a great opportunity to step back to, to ask what you obviously uh, your, your goals are, and you know, there's not necessarily the answer has to be in in, in equities or getting allocation to equities. That the, the big part of this story is that you know yields in relatively safe assets, maybe cash, uh, maybe slightly up the risk curve, but still relatively safe, are delivering you an income of three, four, five, five plus percent. So if you're an income investor, you know maybe you don't have to worry too much about being in equities right now because you can get that el- income elsewhere. Otherwise, if you do have sort of a slightly higher risk appetite and there's those sort of growth names that you are looking for that are getting beaten up because of nothing to do necessarily with kind of fundamentals, but because of sentiment, maybe changes to risk-free rates, so interest rates, it's a time to sort of, you know, maybe create a little bit of a shopping list and a, a sort of list of names of, companies that you think are at, uh, well, fair value or where fair, fair value might be, um, be for those companies to pick them up eventually. But it's, of course, always dependent on your individual circumstances. The income investors should be pretty happy with cash at 5%. But again, uh, now with all this kind of uh, volatility in the market, it's never a bad time to create a bit of a shopping list and see if you can pick something up on the cheap.
1: Kyle Rodder there from Capital.com.